1: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
2: Welcome to Profoundly Pointless. My name is Nick Vinzant. Coming up in this episode, are economic future and things that should stay in the past.
1: There are massive changes that are going on, things that are just kind of hard to get your head around and they're occurring so rapidly. This generation is gonna experience more change in the next five years than we've had in over the last 50. I know there's a lot of people who are against things like GMO, but I will tell you that the synthetic biology that's going on right now is amazing in agriculture. There's three areas that I like uh, going forward. If you've noticed in the recent sell-off of the stock market, Defense stocks have held up extraordinarily well. Like, if you think you have income inequality now, just wait, because who's going to be able to do that? The wealthy. I
2: want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, subscribe, leave us a rating or review. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. If you're a new listener, welcome to the show. If you're a longtime listener, thank you so much for all of your support. So our first guest is an economic futurist who specializes in looking at what's ahead and how that is going to affect life today, especially when we're talking about business and the economy. He has worked at the highest levels of both government and in the private sector. This is economic futurist, Andrew Bush. What do you think is ahead in 2023?
1: So my big thing is context. Um, Too often, people want to know, well, what's coming next? And I say, whoa, 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 whoa. That's good to know. But unless you understand the context, like where we've been, so you understand where we are, so you can see where we're going. Unless you have those three together, like you don't know what you don't know. So I think what's really salient for your audience is to say, well, look, what happened to get us to where we are? Right. So just really quickly, obviously COVID. And the Ukraine war combined to make probably the largest disruption to our lifetimes of the economy. I mean, it, and just everything else. So, with that in mind, you know the reaction of governments around the world to deal with that also was extraordinarily disruptive. Not only from you know our central banks creating zero interest rates, but also from the government spending just massive amounts of money like we've never seen before in such a short period of time. So that's the context for understanding what's going on. And if you think about the US economy just really quickly, prior to COVID, like 70% of it was about consumer spending, right, on services. And about 30% were on goods. Well, if you couldn't spend money on services like going to a bar, restaurant, hotel, travel, all that kind of fun stuff... You know, you kind of held on to that money, but then, you you know, if you're working from home or you had to stay at home, then you start looking around and you go, you know, I need a new computer. I need a desk. I need, you know, I'm kind of sick of the bed I'm sleeping in. You know, all of those goods, you know, that spending got jacked up. And so that's why, like, if you ordered a sofa in, like, 2021 and it never showed up, that's why. There was just, like, huge demand for all of these different goods, you know, durable goods, things that are physical. Uh, along with the technology. So that created a lot of inflation. It created a lot of supply chain disruptions. All of those kind of things were occurring um, at the same time that a lot of money was sloshing in and creating uh, some some dislocations. And then you had a lot of people drop out. I mean, there was a lot. First of all, sadly, there was like half a million people died. So you lost a lot of people in the workforce from that. The next thing is, is you had over 2 million more people retire. And then the next thing was you had a much smaller cohort of the 20 to 28-year-olds of people coming into the labor force. So all of those – well, and then we shut our borders too. So all of that wrapped into a labor shortage situation. So those are all the things that like combined into this year of 2022 that created the conditions where, you know, the authorities, central banks around the world said, we got to deal with this like 10% inflation and so that's when they began raising interest rates and they continue to raise interest rates to this day and will likely continue to raise interest rates into 2023. So that's that's the backdrop of what we have going on as we go into 2023. So when you say what's ahead, here's what's ahead. We're going to have probably a mild recession in the sometime in the US the, sometime during 2023. I don't want to put exact you know first quarter, second quarter, any of that kind of stuff because I don't know what I don't know when it comes to that. Ukraine war is not likely to get resolved. That's going to continue going forward. So that's going to create all sorts of you know problems when it comes to energy. Um, and that translates and kicks into every aspect of the economy: food, um, you know, goods, all of those things. And then finally, there are things that are going on that that I like to think of that nobody talks about that are just amazing things like synthetic biology. And I see so many positive things that are happening there. So it, as we look into 2023 and going beyond, I mean, there's all sorts of really cool things that are happening that if you're only looking at the news or if you're only looking at your your Google feed or your Twitter feed, you're thinking, oh my God, the world's coming to an end. <laughs> Where I see things, There's just amazing developments that are happening that are going to make our world so much better. And I know it doesn't feel that way right now, especially with climate change and the storms that are happening and and greenhouse gas emissions. But there are serious people at work doing fantastic things that we're going to see the fruition of that shortly over the next two to three to five years. So what's coming? I would say some really good things as we're getting through all of these bad things.
2: When... You know, going through the last two years, we're recording this in 2022, it was always a question in my mind, like, has the shoe dropped yet? I feel like we're recovering from the pandemic, but then every time we start to recover, like something else happens that pushes us back. Do you feel like we're headed more towards, are we headed more towards more instability or more stability?
1: That is a great question. And and I would frame it this way for millennials, they've come into- the job market. And what happened to them? I mean, the global financial crisis. So that was bad, especially if you'd bought a house. I mean, in, you know, anywhere in 2000 or or even um, a condo or whatever. So you're feeling pretty bad about that. Then you're slowly recovering, right? And then all of a sudden, COVID hits. And then everybody's knocked backwards. And then the Ukraine war hits. So... Um, so from that standpoint, I can totally understand your your question about the next shoe to drop. And what I would say is like, look, yes, these are terrible things that have happened for sure. But I like to use um, a reference to Men in Black when it comes to this, right? And and at the end of the movie, the first one, which was the best one, uh, the Tommy Lee Jones character um, and uh, the Will Smith character have this conversation and. Tommy Jones says, you know, I want to go back to where I was before. You know, I want to, I don't want to know all about this, all these bad things that have happened. And Will Smith says, yeah, but this crisis that's going on right now, you know, what are we going to do about it? And this is the thing that I always tell people. It's like Tommy Lee Jones says, there's always somebody coming to invade Earth, right, to destroy it. And, and that's the way I look at the world. Like, there's always bad things going on. It's, it's it's where the good things are going on that you don't hear a lot about that, that you really have to start to think forward about those because they're very positive. They're very directional in, in a good way. And I would say this, like there are massive changes that are going on, things that are just kind of hard to get your head around. And they're occurring so rapidly that it can feel like when they cascade downward that they're just like everything's falling apart. And I understand that, but I, I, I don't see the world coming to an end. I don't see another alien force invading our <laughs> our, our, our Earth. I see positive things that are happening. Um, and I don't want to belabor the point, but it's just it's so easy to go down that path to doom scroll and, and feel terrible about the world.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm a former news reporter and I always say like the world is always ending. It's always ending. You know what it I mean? It
1: bleeds, it leads, baby.
2: It does. It does. There seems to be like this disconnect, though, between corporations and the people that they employ that is, is you know, are people getting burned out? Like, who do you think has the power moving forward, the employers or the employees?
1: Well, right now, we're seeing a big shift, obviously, um, we're seeing a big shift with labor unions. Uh, pilots union getting a 30% increase over two years is a fine example of that. Um, the railroad workers uh, getting a 25% increase there uh, over a short period of time. that shows you a shift from where we were as far as the way that we looked at employees and what they were being paid. Maybe it all goes back to, you know uh, uh, minimum wage at 15 you know trying to get that to $15. Um, so I would say these are forces that have been at work and, and really now because of the shortage of labor, it's put, um, if you would, power back into the hands of employees in the sense that um, they're demanding things that they want uh, and we're not able to get those uh, previously. Work from home is a great example of that. Higher pay. Higher pay is always great, but really flexibility and schedule, I think that's really important. More focus on work-life balance, um, more focus on uh, mental health issues. Those things are great uh, and will actually lead to more productivity, I believe. So from that standpoint, I think it's really, your question is great because there is this shift going on. Um, I wouldn't say necessarily power, but a better focus back on employees uh, to to not only get them what they want, but actually to help them be more productive.
2: Is that going to be the case moving forward? Because I keep hearing all of these things that basically like the labor force is dwindling. And once all the boomers retire, this idea of growth all the time, but we just don't have the population to sustain that
1: anymore. Yeah. I mean, you know, really, I mean, what is growth? What is GDP growth? It's productivity times the number of workers. And so if productivity is flat and your number of workers is flat, your economy is flat. So then you get into this question of, hey, can we get more workers? If we can't, then can we increase productivity? And the answer is yes. Um, you could actually get both. Um, right now, there's a real problem uh, in the United States because of the immigration issue. Um, there's actually, it's so acute right now. I don't need to go granular on this, but we just don't have a legal immigration program right now. We need to fix that. But the productivity side of things, if we have less workers, I guarantee you the, the direction that companies are going in and everyone else is going in as well, is how do we make workers more efficient? How do we get more out of them for the time that they put in? Um, there's a lot of things that do that. Uh, you know, Different types of software, CRM is a great example of that. But AI is another thing that's, that is going to assist workers and AI is not something that's down the road, it's happening right now. Um, Stitch Fix is a great example of utilize, uh, utilizing uh, AI, you know, and, and the way that they, you know, can take a picture of you, but also how AI works with um, the designers and, and, and you know, the people that are designing the clothes and picking out the clothes for you, that you can have disagreements between AI and the sticks, uh, Stitch Fix people, but... Generally, they make each other better over time. So that's where I think things will go as far as being able to increase productivity to increase output, um, even with fewer workers. You
2: obviously work in a lot of different sectors, agriculture, et cetera. Where do you think is going to be like, oh, this is going to be where we're going to see a lot of changes? Like if you jumped in a time machine, so to speak, and fast forwarded, this sector would look totally different than it did in years past.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I know people maybe look askance at agriculture and think, oh, you know, why would you spend so much time there? (laughs) Again, context is king here. These people are selling a commodity. So what does that mean? They have to be the most efficient producers of that commodity because everybody knows what the price is. It's not a, you know, like everybody knows what the price of corn is. It's not like you can be Microsoft selling a specific product that nobody else sells so you can you know have really big margins. That's not the way it works. So these are the people that are at the forefront of using technology in any way, shape or form that they can to be more efficient, more productive. So I do spend a lot of time there. I see amazing things happening um, in that space. I know there's a lot of people who are against things like GMO, but I will tell you that the synthetic biology that's going on right now is amazing in agriculture. Um, They can really help agriculture feed the world, which is really important, but also overcome the problems with climate change that we're going to experience, whether we stop greenhouse gas emissions today, we're still going to have problems for some time on that. And the volatile weather that we have, whether it's droughts or storms or you name it, heat, all of those things. We need to be better at producing uh, crops that can survive in those things and in those environments and then also increase yields. So I see just amazing things that are going on there that are using technology. Like if you were wowed by MRNA, that was came about because of CRISPR technology. The CRISPR technology that is used in agriculture is amazing. I mean, they're taking viruses as an example, using CRISPR to, to turn off the bad component of the virus and then modify it so that that virus can go on wheat that kills a uh, bacteria that grows on the, on the wheat, that kills the wheat head, right? So like it's kind of mind blowing of what you can do in synthetic biology. And then the use of AI um, is just amazing and how they hook up all the different pieces of equipment. Now, that's, I mean, that's just a minor example of what's going on with it. I mean, every financial services firm who's got their act together is using AI uh, in a lot of different ways. So just a couple of examples. But I really think agriculture is, is such an important one for the planet overall. And I'm just blown away at the advances in it. I know that's going to scare a lot of people. But there are really good things that are going on, especially with synthetic biology in that space. It, so, we're so much further past the scares of GMO. The other thing, too, is here's, here's the thing about, again, I'm going to go back to agriculture, but they're developing plants that can, that can absorb greenhouse gas emissions and hold them in their roots like a 30% increase over what they could do before. That is just amazing stuff. And so I get excited by this, as you can tell, uh, because I think there's, again, there's some really good things that are happening that you're not hearing about unless you do your homework on this. So um, I, I think agriculture remains, for me, just one of the most exciting areas that's that's rapidly developing uh, positive things that are going to help out in the future.
2: This is kind of a rant for me, but I feel like <laughs> COVID was a small showing of nature's power. And I feel like climate change is going to pa- pound us into the ground. Are we ready for that? Right? Are,
1: is that like,
2: what's going to happen? Because I'm yeah. worried.
1: Yes, climate change is brutal right now. Um, even the storms that just moved through the United States right now, where we had just a ton of rain, Bad tornadoes, and then you've got this incredible cold wave that came in. Um, these things are more persistent in their patterns, and so what I would say is this: is like, look, there's a lot of smart people working on this. Um, as an example, in the last government spending bill, a lot of people don't realize this. This is the Inflation Reduction Act. They're they're spending 369 billion dollars on reducing greenhouse gas emissions. This is the largest spend by the U.S. government ever to address climate change. Now, within that, there's a ton of money going into research. Here's an example. And this is what really gets me excited. So the Department of Energy had a fund that invested in companies, um, had about a $30 billion fund that invested in companies. You can make loans or grants or whatever um, to develop technologies that are going to address things like greenhouse gas emissions. Under this last bill, the amount of money they have now is 250 billion dollars and that goes into a ton of research. So, I guess what I'm saying is like, look, yes, things are terrible now. And and the storms are bad and and you know, rising sea levels will create additional problems for sure. But I would say this. I'm always blown away at entrepreneurial zeal that is in the United States. It's why people like to invest in this country. It's like why people want to continue to come into this country. And I'm blown away by the amount of money that's flowing into specifically this space to address these issues. So I would say, yeah, things are bad now, but things change rapidly just over the next two to three years, not like five and 10 years down the road. I see solutions coming. To deal with greenhouse gas emissions, um, you know, just as an example. Now, it's not applicable yet, but I mean, they actually had a breakthrough in fusion, nuclear fusion technology, that they got gained by the reaction. In other words, they got more energy out of the procedure than they put into it. Now, we're probably a decade away from that, and that's not even the most salient technology for what's going on in fusion. But let's say we come up with something that's pretty decent over the next five years. All of a sudden, this whole thing about greenhouse gas emissions really changes in its tone. We we can just develop something that is more efficient at creating energy. Then you don't burn greenhouse gas emissions. So, like that to me, like I don't want to be Pollyannish, but like please don't just focus on the negative. There's great things that are happening.
2: As a millennial, that is not how it. our generation was, right? <laughs> I, it's so weird, I totally right? Like, get it. Totally get you know, it. is so as a millennial, right? Like, we basically went from one crisis to another, from 9 11 to 2008 to 2000, to two, right? Right, et cetera, et cetera. Is there a generation that you would say, though, that, like, you know what? They're really going to benefit over the next couple of years. And this generation, eh, you might you might kind of get left out of this.
1: (laughs) No, this generation is going to experience more change in the next five years than we've had in over the last 50. Things build. They take time to build. I mean, you think about, I, I mean, just to use the iPhone as an example, like just even to get the glue that you have to use for the screens that they have, just to develop that took decades. And so... Yes, you're standing on the shoulders of the people who went before you to create that product. It took forever. I mean, all of those things had to lead to the development of of the iPhone. Same thing with CRISPR. Same thing with AI. I mean, you couldn't do AI with without cloud. We had to get cloud computing, right? You had to have the data storage. Otherwise, you couldn't create a, a, a GPT, general pur- uh, purpose technology like AI, without it. So, we're at the very beginning stages of taking all of this incredible technology and applying it in a very useful way to our lives. It just doesn't feel like it because we're still dealing with a lot of the past that are bad things that, you know, a lot of boomers get blamed for I, I get it. Right. But, but honestly, there's a lot of really things that are like, that are, that we're on the cusp of right now. So I would say I'm more excited about the next five, 10 years than i about anything that's happened over the next or over the last fifty years, I mean, there's just great things coming. I, that's all I can say.
2: I'm gonna butcher this acronym, so correct, correct the resume. You were the chief, the first chief market in and an IO, some intelligence officer. So, right. what was that? What do you think of the? situation now, I guess, is the,
1: yeah, so, the uneducated um, so,
2: way to ask you that question.
1: Yeah. So I I was very fortunate. Um, I was the very first chief market intelligence officer for the US government. So my job was to take all of the research, all the, I, I had a team of 40 researchers looking at the economy and the markets, what was going on. Um, we had the best data on the planet, better than anyone else. I, and I literally mean that better than any hedge fund because we could see the position changes of all the major players in the futures market of every product that's out there. So what does that mean? That means like if I saw a piece of news come out and I saw, let's say, ExxonMobil change their position in oil futures for whatever reason, I'd be like, huh, that's important to them. So let me dive into whatever that piece of news was that changed what we call the market narrative. So that just informed me to make much better decisions overall about how the world works. So it was the coolest position. Um, I worked for a friend of mine, or not a friend of mine, but somebody I would known who became a chairman of an agency, the CFTC, and we we jointly created this position. So it, it was real like nobody does that. Nobody does that in U.S. government. So very unusual. But with that, I got exposure to Nobel Prize winners, to you know uh, people in the industry in, in the financial industry that were smarter than all get out. So I could glean from all of these people and understand the world much better. And then in turn, my job was to communicate that to um, Congress, to the Senate, to the House, to, um, to the White House, all of these different groups and to be external as well. So that job was just amazing. I did that from 2017 to uh, the end of 2019. And that really helped me understand how the world worked. Um, we, we looked at, uh, a wide range of things, not only AI, but, you know, Bitcoin and all the cryptocurrencies, uh, and, uh, my view on them hasn't changed since they've collapsed and the collapse of FTX and everything else that's going on in that space. Uh, so it was a fascinating experience. And here's the thing that just blew me away about this experience. And, and you'll laugh, there are really smart people working at the top levels of government <laughs> <laughs> I, know that's not uh, that's wait, I
2: about, that that, that, know. that runs counterintuitive to all my yes logic.
1: So, so what i want to provide is some comfort to people like when the world starts falling apart there are brilliant people who really step in to try to help out come up with solutions now congress is a different animal they do crazy things all the time they're politicians um but that's the one comforting thing that I really want to impress upon everybody. Uh, that surprised me. I did not expect that. And so that made me feel a lot better about what was going on in the world overall.
2: Are you ready for some harder slash listener submitted questions? Oh, yeah. Bring them on. Give you one of the easier, like maybe one of the easier ones. Where should I put my money? So,
1: yeah, I just did an interview um, on this. You can go to andrewbush.com uh, and watch it there. But there's three areas that I like uh, going forward. Uh, I already mentioned synthetic biology. Like, I'm not going to tell you like exactly what to do. That's not my job. That's for you to work with a wealth manager or whoever you want to work with. Do your own homework. What's your risk tolerance? I don't know any of those things. What I do know is there's three areas I like a lot. Um, One is synthetic biology. Um, Two is the development of AI. And three is, and this will sound terrible, but I'm a money flow guy, so I'm being honest here, is defense. Um, If you've noticed in the recent sell-off of the stock market, defense stocks have held up extraordinarily well. Now, there's a reason for that, um, because the world is becoming somewhat bifurcated between autocratic regimes like Russia, like China, and democratic regimes like the United States and like EU. And that leads to conflict. And because Europe's had an existential threat to them, namely Russia being on their doorstep with Ukraine, they've woken up to the fact that that's a big risk. So they have to say, you know, maybe we ought to step up our defense spending. And that's exactly what we've seen. Japan just made a huge change in the way that they approach defense, and they're going to spend a lot more money on it. Now, overall, how does that fit with my optimistic world? Well, when people aren't weak, it's less likely that they get attacked. So I would say we're a little bit going back into the Cold War, but we're also hopefully in a situation where we're mad, right? Mutual assured destruction if people try to engage in what Russia is doing right now in the Ukraine. So those are the three areas that I like um, with the caveat that one of them is not necessarily super positive, but, you know, if you're looking to place money where I money flows are going, which is my big thing when I help clients, um, I think those three areas you'll do well with.
2: So this may be more of a societal question, right? And if it's not your area, let me know it's not your area. But it seems to be like this juxtaposition between power to the people on one side and power to the dictators on another, right? Like we seem to be going back and forth why do you think that is? Is this normal? Who wins? I guess. Like what do you is that even a correct assumption that there's this like power to the people? On the other hand, like let's get the one strong leader. There seems to be like a battle between those two opposing philosophies.
1: I think that's more interesting in the democratic countries. Um the United States, Brazil are great examples of that. Um and I I'll say this like because of the January 6th event that occurred in the United States and the severe test of our constitution at that point, the good news is, and the great news that everybody should take a lot of comfort of is is that it held, our institutions held, the theories behind those institutions held. That's fantastic news. You don't know if something really works until it gets tested in a really difficult manner. That's what we just experienced. So while it may feel terrible, and this would probably add to the list of things that millennials feel terrible about, right? It was that very difficult transition. But the fact is the people did speak. They brought in a different president. And so our constitution held. And that's what elections are all about. The same thing just happened in Brazil. And you saw the the peaceful transfer of power. That's so critical for any democracy. So I would say it seems like democracies have tilted towards stronger rulers and and become a little bit more Latin American in their structure, like of what people voted for. But I would say we have really experienced that. Um, and now we're moving back the other way. I think more than ever, we want people in this country who can produce results to really Solve the problems that we have today, um, and not fight the problems of the past. And I think that's the direction we're heading in. Yes, it seems like that we've gone through that period of time where you know people gravitated towards strongman rulers. I think we're moving away from those now.
2: Yeah, I never really thought of it until you mentioned it that way. That that was like such an such a a linchpin moment, but it seems so bad. But then at the same time, it's like, well, we did actually kind of get through it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it did. Like the bridge did hold in a way. Um, okay. But but, you
1: know, on the other side of that is the autocratic regimes that are out there now are even more autocratic. China is perfect example of that with President Xi, you know, eliminating the two term limit on how long somebody can stay in power. And then, obviously, Vladimir Putin is another example of that. So, like I said, there's this bifurcated world that we're, we're going to experience going forward um, that makes things challenging. So, I, I, sorry, I didn't mean, interrupt your question, but I just right. think it's important that, that we've moved through that process from a, a democratic standpoint, from a democracy standpoint, or a representative government standpoint, but other countries have actually gone further in that direction. And that is destabilizing overall. Um, you make better decisions when you involve more people, right? That's the concept of diversity. Um, you get different ideas that can really enhance wherever you're going on a decision. That's not happening in Russia, and that's not necessarily happening in China.
2: Let me follow it up with this brilliant question. What movie do you think has the most accurate depiction of what the future will be like?
1: Oh my gosh, um, actually, you know what? Here's the book that you should read. It's called AI 2041. Now, this was written by two ex-Google executives. What's uber cool about this, and I love this book, is that it's science fiction. They're science fiction short stories. And so those are really fun. And at the end of each one of these short stories, they do about three or four, maybe even five pages describing the technology that's in the short story and how it is today and where it's going in the future. To me, that's just gold. I love that. Like if you're if you're a futurist, if you're really interested in where things are going, take a read on that book. It's super easy. You can just read a chapter at a time, and it's it's just a blast. Uh, from a science fiction nut standpoint, I really dig stuff like that.
2: Is there a technology or a thing happening in society though that? maybe from a perspective of like, okay, we can do this. Should we do this?
1: Yeah. Is there
2: something that you're like, wait a minute, maybe we shouldn't do that.
1: Yeah. I think when you get in synthetic biology, um, that's where some weirdness can come in. Um, Not to get too deep into this, but cells have a trigger called uh, senescence, which is basically they grow old. And they stop reproducing, right? I mean, to make it simple. We could theoretically in the future stop that. So that people could live a lot longer than they do now. And and you can even go further with that probably down the road where you could actually rebuild different parts of your body um, and the cells that are in there. The question is, do we want to do that? what kind of problems would we have because of that do you think people like if you think you have in, income inequality now just wait because who's going to be able to do that the wealthy for sure and the longer you live the wealthier you become you know if you create assets that you hold on to and they don't pass them to generations um then it makes the problem worse so you'll really get a, a sectioning off of, of different income levels uh, across different countries because of that. So that's, those things really bother me. Currently, I would say there's really not enough being regulated as far as live biology right now. There's crazy stuff that's going on that could get outside of a lab that worries me. Um, There's something called gain of function when it comes to testing viruses that could have produced COVID. Um, There's a lot of theories about that in Wuhan and China, but the study of gain of function is a disturbing one because you could take measles and you could modify it. And then if it gets out, like modify it to make it more virulent to see if it would uh, change or adapt in a new environment to understand it better. But if that got out, you'd kill thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people. Like what keeps me up at night? Some of this kind of stuff, while I'm very, very positive about it, there are aspects of it that are disturbing from a societal standpoint and risks that are out there um from a pandemic standpoint.
2: What is something that you think like, oh, okay, we used to do this. This is a commonplace thing, but like we're not gonna do that anymore. <laughs> like what, <laughs> what goes away, kind of like
1: So we were laughing about this the other day. Um So I went in to open up a checking account, right? Now, this is hilarious because you physically have to go in, right? And so when I was sitting there, the person asked me and they go, well, do you want checks? And I was like, well, of course I want checks. You you have to get... And she said, you don't understand. Like if I ask a millennial that, they'll go, what's the use case of a check? And (laughs) And so in other words, Like it depends on your framework of like, okay, like now are we going to move to a cashless society, right? Where we don't use checks or cash at all. And so we're heading in that direction overall, but there are certain things for cash that we will continue to use. That has big implications for all sorts of financial services that are out there. has big implications for things like ATM machines, but it also has big societal implications for people who don't have checking accounts. Now, it sounds crazy, but there's a lot of people that aren't banked, that are poor, that get cards for, um, you know, food credits that they can go and they use those just like a credit card, but they don't have a checking account. And so those are the people that got sent cards for the Stimi checks that came in actually as a card for them. So, you know, thinking some—it's I'm, I'm, kind of an interesting topic to get into. But you know, when people are saying, "Oh, we're gonna get—we're gonna get rid of—you know—checks and also uh, cash," that's something that you have to think long and hard about. There's a lot more to that than what you realize, and the people that are going to be impacted by that. So, just something to think about as we go forward. I do think it'll become less and less, but you know, we have to be careful. Uh, cause you can end up hurting people that you don't want to hurt.
2: This is the last, last question that we got. Um, okay. <laughs> what is your, well, it's two questions actually. So like this is, this is a completely safe space. There is no, there's no judgment of any of the theories. What is your absolute boldest prediction for the future? Like if you're at your futurist buddies, you couldn't even say it to them. They'd be like, what? That's ridiculous. What would you say is your boldest prediction for the future, your safest prediction for the future?
1: Well, those are two different things. Usually. Um, I do try to let the data tell me where things are going. Um, I, I would say, uh, because of the movement into electric vehicles and the demand that that's going to generate for the grid we have to generate a massive amount of power and so i'm not like i'm not in the camp that we're going to need fossil fuels forever i'm in the camp that we need power for everything for for we need so much power it's hard to comprehend right now so my boldest prediction is this is that We're going to run into some severe problems if we get as many people as we think we do. If we get up to 50% EVs, we got a massive problem in a short period of time because we can't generate the the amount of power for the grid. So I would say my boldest prediction is we got a big power problem that we got to solve fast. And that leads me to believe, and of course, that we will solve it. So I'm like, that's my big thing. It's like, I think we're going to, transition faster off of greenhouse gas, uh, uh, fossil fuels, I should say, and reduce down the amount of greenhouse gas emissions, I think it's going to happen faster because we have to do it. We don't have enough energy right now. Um, And so there's positive things that are moving forward as far as that goes. But that, to me, is going to happen in a shorter period of time that will move more rapidly um, because we need to, because we have to. We don't have a choice about it. And then positive things will come out of reduction of the volatility um, you know, eventually from climate change uh, because of that. So that's my boldest prediction. It sounds kind of like, eh, whatever. Everybody talks about alternative fuels and stuff like that. But to me, it's like, yes, there's a reason why we're talking about it. Because like this is really cool. There's so many things that are happening. There's so many people that are want to buy electric vehicles. All you have to do is look at the top... 10 automakers out there and see where they're shifting their production to and places like california saying you know by 2035 there's no ice engines or i think it's 2030 there's no internal combustion engines that can be sold in this state uh new cars so there's an acceleration coming on that front that's going to be challenging but again that's why i say this transition is going to happen a lot faster than most people realize
2: yeah, that's definitely one of those things where we're like, all right, let's do this. Oh, shit. Yeah, right. <laughs> right? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's always oh. the thing you don't see yeah. come right, right? It's like always like, oh, yeah. We didn't it, do yeah. that. Well, and I, I think forgot that's, about that part.
1: For me, that's the fun part is getting people to think like that and go, hey, you know, these – Rare earths that we have right now and the batteries, you know we need lithium, we need cobalt, that's not going to get us there. We need a different type of battery. We need a different type of storage system for electricity. We'll get there. I, I don't know what it will be. you know, what, could we use hydrogen? Yeah, sure. I mean, that's another power source for sure. Um, but can we get a lot more efficient at those kind of things? So it''s it's, it's like it's like seeing where we're going. And then going, and then backing it up, going, what do we need to get there? Like, what has to change to really get these changes going forward? Like, the you know, to to really enact that trend and get that outcome that we want. Oh, batteries are one part of it. You know, cars are another part of it. You know, what else can we do? Where where else can we solve this problem? So that's that's really the fun part when you're, when you're looking at these bigger trends.
2: We do have, we are resilient. You know, I would say that about humanity. Like we do tend to, we take bad steps, right? Oh yeah. We tend to kind of move in generally the right direction.
1: (laughs) It is, we're resilient, I think is the best way of putting it. Um, Human beings throughout history have have been that way. It's how we've survived. Um, It's, truly a miracle that we're still alive kicking it to this day that we weren't wiped out by something, but our immune systems are amazing. Um, adaptation, um, our big brains are very helpful. Opposable thumbs are really helpful. Those are all adaptations over time, but (laughs) yeah, I think that's the thing. And that's what I would hope for, for millennials is they look out into the world and see things that are bad. You kind of have to step back and go, yeah, but what was it like, you know, 50 years ago without a polio vaccine or 70 years ago without a polio vaccine, you know, that, that was life changing for so many people. Um, So that's the thing, you know, context is King, you know, where have you been to understand where you are, to see where you're going. And I think that's really helpful. I I, I know there's a lot of bad things, but I think, you know, and they've happened (laughs) with some frequency, (laughs) But, yeah, I like your line. You know, we're resilient. I like that. That's great.
2: I want to thank Andrew so much for joining us. If you want to connect with him, we have linked to him on our social media sites. We're profoundly pointless on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram. And we've also included his information in the episode description.
1: With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
2: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
0: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time.
2: No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky.
1: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Okay, now let's bring in John Shaw and get to the pointless part of the show. How do you feel about your twenty twenty two? Do you feel like you survived, achieved, or wasted it?
0: You know, twenty twenty two has been. Uh, I was just talking to my wife about this. It's arguably the worst year we've ever had together, and we've been together for a decade. So, twenty twenty two can walk its pretty little ass out the door, and uh, I, you know, and and I'll I never have to speak of it ever again. I think, and I'd be a there is probably literally four things that I would ever take from this year and talk about again.
2: I can't, I feel like my 22 was basically just t- treading water. I didn't, I didn't really go up. I didn't really go down. I just kind of stayed in place, but I felt like it took a lot more energy this year to stay in place than it has in previous years.
0: Yeah. I mean this, uh, you know, so 2022 for all that was, I'm sorry, 2020 for what it was, was actually not a terrible year for me. I mean, you know, I lost some loved ones, obviously, due to COVID. But uh, other than that, I mean, having to exile, having to isolate was I don't mind that Uh, 2021. We were still kind of in that mode.
2: I feel like my 2020, everything was just up in the air. You know, I lost some loved ones for COVID. 2020 was just like, all right, what's happening now? 2021 was kind of more of the same. I think the reason why 2022 kind of sucked is you thought it was going to be a better year. Like all right. This is like all right, things are looking up. Like nope. Now we got a war. Now we got inflation. <laughs> now we got housing prices. Like it just seemed like it was going to be a better year and it just didn't work out very well.
0: You know, th- this might be just me and I know we have a lot of international listeners. Uh but living in america and having to go through a midterm election cycle again was just whether or not you're you're involved in politics or you vote i don't really care as our sign falls off again
2: <laughs> our sign is hanging on um, it's it was barely, just it, it, barely there
0: it was just tiring just that in itself the election process again in this country was just tiresome to me
2: I, we don't talk about politics on this show, but I think that whatever side of it that you're on, all of us can agree that it was just kind of like, man, what the fuck's going to happen now, right? Like, And nobody really knew which which way it was going to go and what was going to happen depending on which way it was going to go. The other thing that I wanted to ask you is you're very dressed up for a day off. <laughs> We're recording this on the 26th. Are you the kind of person – do you dress up for Thanksgiving and Christmas dinner?
0: I mean, if we, if I was going somewhere, sure. I'm a, honest to goodness. I, I can give the backstory if you want in thirty seconds. So we took my kids sledding for the first time today, and it was uh, it was. There's a few stories that came out of it. Uh, one of which was the fact for my youngest, she's two years old. Uh, and mean, it was a pretty good size hill for first timers. And uh, my wife just she just biffed it, and she was with my youngest, and my youngest just ate snow for probably twenty feet. Uh, so that might have ruined sledding for her. I'm not sure. Uh, but anyways, getting back to the, the reason why I'm dressed like this is I don't layer up when it's cold out. It was like negative one with the windshield today. And I was fine in sweatpants, this awesome sweater, socks, boots, and just a hat and glove. Like I was fine. I was not too cold and it was good.
2: What kind of person wears sweatpants sledding? That's probably the worst choice of clothing that you can make to go play in the snow. Or to be in a wet environment is sweatpants. That's just a rookie mistake.
0: Here's the thing: I, I don't, I don't, I don't disagree with you that it's a rookie mistake. But also, I don't, I didn't go out in the snow enough to uh, convince myself to buy snow snowpants. Uh, but maybe uh, I will. I don't know.
2: You don't seem like a skier to me.
0: <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not any kind of, I mean, sledding is fine because I'm a uh, low center of gravity and that's fine for sledding. Skiing, snowboarding, uh, you know, any other kind of winter activity. I mean, I'd rather be inside drinking dark beer around a fire than be outside freezing my ass off.
2: I am going to, I would make a strong argument that sledding might be the funnest activity you can do. It might be the funnest thing that you can possibly do. I really think that because even skiing or other things like that involve a certain amount of skill and danger. Sledding is just fun. I th- I'm, I'm going to say that. I think sledding is the funnest thing in the world.
0: Well, I mean, and, and at the end of the day with sledding, if you fall off, you can just literally roll down the rest of the hill. It's not like skiing where you're going to lose balance at 50 miles an hour. I mean, sledding, you're going what? 5, 10 miles an hour tops. I bet you're actually hills.
2: hauling ass. I've gone on some hills where I've been like, man, I'm going way too fast for this. I I bet you get up to like 30 or 40 miles an hour. I think you're probably going faster. I mean, if, well, I then again, I live in the mountains, so I'm not in sledding down like the hill of the retention pond in Detroit.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, that's why I said, you know, it, it, do not go into the water. <laughs> Man. Just straight sewage. Yeah, sledding
2: uh, is the funnest thing in the world. Okay, that's that's what I got. So,
0: uh, so we are recording this on the twenty sixth. What, uh, you get any any good gifts? You give any good gifts? I saw a picture that your wife had posted on social media. It looks like you uh, you guys bought your boys some uh, some swords, maybe, and some armor.
2: Yeah. So we uh, we're in a Zelda phase, and I bought them the Master Sword and the Hylian Shield, and that has basically been nonstop. They literally sleep with the sword and the shield literally sleeping with it. Uh no major injuries, but several minor injuries. We carried them to the grocery store. That gets a lot of weird looks. But overall, <laughs> man, like that's this reinforces my opinion that for Christmas, you've got to have a toy. There's got to be something that you can just play with. You got to get a Yeah, I, sure. And I haven't gotten a gift that I could just play with for years.
0: Yeah, I don't remember the last time I got a gift where I was like, "Man, this is a sweet gift."
2: Yeah, I can't think of it. Okay, let's go to shoutouts. Let's move I guess on. That
0: sounded a little. I guess I sounded a little bad. Yeah, like I wasn't. Like I wasn't. You're uh, ungrateful. Like I'm not thankful. You're not. I'm thankful for you.
2: I'm thankful for you. That fucking oh, sweater
0: you got. This is. <sighs> I know. I, I didn't really do my hair. Uh, I didn't. You know. I mean. I. Li- I mean. I like the sweater though. Sweater's actually nice. So I'll. I'll keep it. All right. Uh, let's do some shout outs now. Uh, Neil Masters, appreciate you. Uh, Gallo Silva, Cooper Becker, Taylor Waters, Eric Nahila, uh, Manuel, Leslie Doss, Amy Hiho. Hiho can't be a real last name. Uh, Avery Stenson, and Kevin Willis. Mm. Not related to Bruce Willis. Who. Might be an over uh, an overrated uh, uh, actor. I'm not sure, but I think he is. Regardless, I think he is. I've Willis, heard that he's
2: appreciate. a huge asshole from the internet. Yeah,
0: I mean, that that would. <laughs> I mean, I just other than Die Hard, uh, I, I can't I can't really think of anything else that stands out from from him for me. I mean, I know he did some other movies, but like Die Hard was his stamp, right? Like that was his.
2: Yeah. He's series. in a bunch of movies, but none that I can really say that, like, he was in Pulp Fiction, but I wouldn't say that he was, like, the, one of the main people in Pulp Fiction. Like, he was just in it. It's basically really Die Hard that is his main role. Are you related to anybody famous?
0: Uh, no, but sometimes people ask me if I'm related to Dr. Scholes, you know, the Footpad guy. And then I'm like, two things there. One, he spells his name completely different. And two, uh, no, absolutely
2: not. Hmm. Yeah. I think my, I guess, would be my closest famous relative would be a, I want to, I'm not exactly sure how I'm related to them, but it would be like an uncle was Rupert Murdoch's brother's secretive gay lover. <laughs> My Uncle Alex. That's what we called him. But I don't know if he was actually an uncle by blood. But he was apparently Rupert Murdoch's brother's secret gay lover.
0: (laughs) Oh, okay. Is there any proof that uh, Rupert had a secret gay lover? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, my Uncle Alex. All right. Uh, Let's see. So a couple of bangers for you. Soup bone, ham bone. Do, what, you, uh, what do, about you, do you utilize it? Do you not utilize it? What, what's your deal? Say you're cooking a big old uh, uh, turkey, ham. Do you utilize the bones like you're supposed to do to make into stock or uh, or use them in soups after? Or do you just throw them away? You know what I, had I for say Christ-
2: this. Do you know what I had for Christmas dinner?
0: I C- can only imagine. I'm going to say burritos.
2: Peanut butter and jelly sandwich is what I made for my Christmas dinner. So what do you think that my answer is regarding soup bones and ham bones?
0: I, I should have known. I should have known your culinary uh, your culinary vision was not going to be expansive.
2: Right, but I make I make a wicked peanut butter and jelly sandwich because the trick is is to put the peanut butter and the jelly in a bowl and then mix them together. It'll change it'll how if you have never done that, mix the peanut butter and jelly together in a bowl and then put it on a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and it will change your opinion of peanut butter and jelly. It's so much better
0: i should i, I should have known better i, I you should known. have I, I sh- Rookie I mistake. That, that's my bet yeah that's I, I smoked a, a brisket for fifteen hours and it was amazing Did you
2: put ketchup on it when you were done
0: no no uh all right what what would you rather be uh famous as a musician like a famous singer famous athlete or a famous actor
2: hmm I think famous musicians tend to kind of keep their fame or at least like the joy in their life a lot longer than those other things. Because in athletes, they always talk about how like I'll never have this glory again, right? Like once your body starts to decline, you're never going to experience that level of whatever you want to call it again. And I think that with actors, that fades away as well, like if they start to go downhill. But a musician, you're always – Right, like the Rolling Stones are still touring.
0: (laughs) You know? Man. It's not like Peyton Manning's still still out there throwing passes. I actually, I had this debate, and it's kind of why I thought of the question. Uh, Certain bands, it actually costs more money to see them as they get older and worse physically than when it did when they were younger. Most bands, it is the case if they're that famous.
2: I don't understand why somebody would want to go see the Rolling Stones now. Like, who it... No one who, like, who has been the person that's been like, I've been waiting to see the Rolling Stones or any of those kind of bands for, like, 50 years, and finally I got to go?
0: I mean, nostalgia, right? It's all nostalgia. I mean, I saw ACDC probably, I don't know, six or seven years ago, and they were shitty then. I can't even imagine how bad they are now. When I say shitty, once again, they're fantastic, and they're great musicians, but... You know, rocking out on a drum kit at 70 years old is not the same as when you were 35.
2: No. I think that you have to see a band within five years of their prime. Maybe 10 if it's a big name. Even ones that are still probably like doing well, like let's say Madonna. You're still (laughs) like, I mean, she is 60. She's probably fantastic for a 60, but is she anywhere near what she was when she was like 30? Like,
0: is, is she still? <laughs> I mean, listen, I give you props for bringing her up, but I, I don't think she's, uh, is she even relevant anymore?
2: Not really. I don't like that's what always fascinates me about those kind of things. It's like, why are you still doing this?
0: I clearly think it's just like a narcissistic yeah, attitude for them. that you develop. Yeah.
2: They can't live without it's, the attention.
0: Yeah. It's sitting at your home at 55 and no one's calling you. You know, your Twitter's not blowing up like it was, uh, which Twitter is indeed blowing up. Twitter Um,
2: is indeed blowing up.
0: Literally. But yeah, so I I, I think I'd be an athlete, man. Give me the glory, the quick glory uh, that may last forever other than an actor or a musician.
2: Yeah. If you're like a peak athlete and you really accomplish something, that really, even though it's a shorter career, lives on more, I think, than other than acting or musicians they can kind of ruin their reputation as they move along but an athlete really (laughs) doesn't
0: no and listen you could be a gigantic pile of crap as an athlete and as long as you did one thing fantastic for some reason it gets gets forgotten so uh anyways uh so uh quick twitter question for you as we said it was blowing up um it's pretty simple Uh, How many days is acceptable to you uh, before you take down your Christmas tree after Christmas? One to two. Well, these are the options. One to two, three to four, up to a week after or sometime in January. And Don't give me that February bullshit because that is – I mean your house should burn down if that's
2: No, I could – Christmas tree I'm going to give you a week. Mainly because, like, you've got that week between Christmas and New Year's where that's probably the best time. You've got some extra time to go ahead and take that down. But I think that you can leave – I don't think it, that I, – I wouldn't personally do it. I could leave Christmas lights up to the middle of January. But if you push into February with Christmas lights, that's too much. I think they need to come down to the – Christmas lights need to come down – By the next major holiday in January. Which I believe is like January fifteenth in that area.
0: No, I just meant the tree. The lights should be down before before New Year's, in my opinion.
2: You think the lights should come down before the tree should come down?
0: Yeah. Like I mean I think they I think that no, no. I think the tree should be down within four to five days after. I'll give you a week, two weeks tops for Christmas lights. Like right now. I'm not. The only reason why mine are still up and my inflatables are still, still up is because we're in the middle of a deep freeze. But the, the day that it gets around freezing, I'm going to be out there taking everything down.
2: My opinion may be a little bit skewed because when I was growing up, we kind of had like two Christmases. Not that we had two full Christmases, but basically we had our normal Christmas and then grandma and grandpa would come in for New Year's and we would open grandma and grandpa's presents on New Year's. So we would leave everything up until New Year's Day. And then oh, start little, taking things down.
0: Me, ma, and and, and come over for Christmas, huh? Derby, Kansas.
2: Yeah, they did, and now they're dead. I make fun of my uh, dead grandma and grandpa some more.
0: I I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I just was celebrating with you that you had two Christmases as a kid.
2: All right, so. man. Like, look, this is your moment. This is the moment that you have been waiting for all year, because um. the outlaw candle connoisseur is going to name his candle of the year, the twenty twenty two outlaw candle connoisseur candle of the year what's it going to
0: be i don't know if this is going to be a popular choice but it's a candle i'm going to tease it first it is a candle that is festive uh you can utilize it during pretty much any of the major holidays uh it's on sale or you can buy it year-round which is a big plus to me because can you know Exclusive candles are fine for you know for exclusivity reasons, but you want a candle that you can just go pick up, whatever, right? I agree. So this is making so, sense
2: to me, especially the on sale part.
0: Appreciate that. Uh, so uh, and this is this is made by a major retailer, which also helps because you know that you can go to almost any mall or any uh, standalone store and they're going to have it. So the 2022 candle of the year. And then hopefully you add in like the outlaw theme, you know, with the which, uh is by Bath and Body Works. And it's called Tis the Season.
2: Okay, and describe it, is, it. I don't want to hear the marketing spiel. I want to hear your description of it. Make so me smell the I, candle. Make me feel the ambiance and the smell that the candle creates.
0: I, I can tell you that the so I've, I've had this candle now I got it in the winter last winter uh, I think I first started burning it in January February I uh, did it again on some chilly summer nights I remember because I'm like this will be a great scent I'll get to it in a second I'm just kind of going through here I got and you. then obviously as soon as it hit about uh, Halloween this year I mean I have nine of these candles like that's how good they are I bought I think I bought 12 of them this year um and it's called "Tis the season it has like a snowman on the cover, so you're gonna think it's winter only and it's not winter only, so what you get when you first and you can get it in or in two wick or three wick man, I sound like I know what I'm talking about um, it, it,
2: if you didn't I have know. such an absolute knowledge of this, I would laugh you out of the room
0: i i and you know what you're not the only person uh whether I know you or not to tell me this about my can. some people think I'm bullshitting, and man, then we have I real. Mean,
2: how can you buy? Did you buy all nine? You had twelve of them. Did you buy all twelve of them at the same time?
0: No, you know, I think like uh, like last winter, my uh, there was a deal like buy three get one free. So you buy two of those and two of something else, and then in the summer they had more deals, you know, coming up. So then you buy two more, and then the ho- the fall, it's like oh well, you know, I better get three or four of them and some wall plugins, which I have the wall plugins too, which are fantastic. Uh, anyways, so anyway, getting back to what Dude, the candle is. what is, is. your so,
2: house going to fucking smell like for the next people who live there?
0: Well, I, That's I
2: got to be in the-, the walls. Like, you have to be burning so much candle that it's in the walls <laughs> there. Like, when you walk into a house and, like, they had too many pets, and you're just like, oh, this house has had too many pets.
0: I, I have to tell you, uh, and I'm proud of this, that we asked my oldest daughter, she's four years old, what she wanted for Christmas – she said she wanted, you know, a toy, and then her second thing she said she wanted was a candle. So, she got four candles. God. So,
2: uh, uh, anyways, what a disappointing so, Christmas for that kid.
0: Like, what'd you get? <laughs> I got four candles. Okay. She got the best damn candles. Uh, oh well, whatever. Uh, shop local, shop small. Regarding "Tis the Season," which is the uh, let me refrain. Let me go back. It is the twenty twenty two candle of the year insert the western theme and the watch. Uh, so when you first when you first light it, so I've had it two variations. First is it's gonna be very fruity, very scenty, like you're gonna get you're gonna get hints of apple, strawberries, pomegranates, then then it's gonna hit you with the spices, like nutmeg, cinnamon, and then it's gonna finish up with a good woodsy smell. Right? So it's gonna take you through all those different things. That's the first one. The second one I've had is where it starts off woodsy, then kind of goes into fruit, like a, like an apple pie smell. Uh, like an apple pie cream smell, I should say. Just smooth and milky and amazing. And then it finishes back up with the woodsy. So, But you can't go wrong. And though that's probably going to be, they don't go on sale too often in terms of the price. So that's why you have to find a deal where it's like buy one, get one half off or something. But uh, they're worth it. Tis the season is the candle. Of 2022.
2: That's the main problem with Bed Bath and Beyond and Bath and Body Works is that the two companies sound way too much alike. That's yeah, probably their ridiculous. biggest flaw, in my opinion. Are you ready? Are you ready for our top five?
0: I obviously I don't know if you can hear my voice. I could talk candles for the next hour. It yeah, was gonna be. It problem. was gonna
2: get ridiculous, and I felt like yeah. like we gotta move this one on.
0: Okay, so our top five. Buy the five, three wick. By the three wick. Sorry. Go
2: ahead. Get the, always get the three wick. More wicks, more okay. chicks. <laughs> more wicks, more chicks, or you can reverse that uh, if that's what you're into. More wicks, more dicks, whichever one that is that you want. Either way works.
0: Oh, oh, uh, oh.
2: Okay, so our top five is top five things we don't want to continue into 2023.
0: All right, so I uh, first off, I, I need to know where you're going with your list. Did you do it personally? Did you do it worldly? Did you do it everything?
2: Mine is personally, but also things that I think are good for the world as a whole. And we're not getting into like serious stuff necessarily, right? We don't talk about politics and religion and controversial issues necessarily. But these are the top five things that I would say, that I think for the good of humanity, need to stop with the end of 2022 and not move into 2023.
0: I, I want to do a better job then. My number five will be John Scholl wants to do a better job of not being on social media when he's just sitting at home fiddling his thumb, so he goes on Twitter or Instagram. I need to do a better job uh, of not being on social media when I could be doing other things, productive things, with my day.
2: I actually read something that I thought was fascinating, and if you go back, our interview with the boredom researcher kind of touched on this a little bit, where he talks about that because of social media and just because of basically like how easy it is to get access to entertainment, we aren't as creative as we have been in the past because you don't get so bored that you kind of have breakthroughs like it's now too easy to entertain yourself and that you need to be like bored and have moments of brain downtime to really kind of revitalize yourself and that just doesn't happen um my number five is dance videos i'm sick of dance videos right A- I'm okay with somebody who's really talented doing a new dance, but trending dance videos where the people just repeat the same thing over and over and again, I think for the sake of humanity, that needs to stop. I'm sick of it. I don't want to see it's, any it's, more dance videos.
0: It's kind of along the lines of my number four. I And this isn't going to make sense when I say it, so I'll try to explain it the best I can. I want celebrities to be celebrities again. I don't want these social media stars – that released one video of them going to a McDonald's as a fourteen year old, and they are and and they make millions. And I'm not hating on them; good for them. I wish I would have done that. But I'm talking about like I want I want celebrities to be like. I can't believe I'm going to use this person as an example, but like Tom Cruise is a celebrity, Mark Wahlberg, you know, Gwyneth Paltrow, like celebrities, not I, the Paul brothers or somebody like that.
2: I want celebrities. To stop being asked questions about things that they don't want. I want us to. And that's, this is what I, this is not on my top five, but I'm going to throw this in there. I want us to stop asking celebrities questions, and the idea that they know anything about what they're talking about, right? Like Tom <laughs> Cruise says this about coronavirus. Who gives a fuck? Like he doesn't know anything about it. We need to stop asking celebrities questions and to treating them as if their opinion somehow matters more than anybody else's.
0: I, I think you're absolutely right. I, it it pains me to think of that, of this moment, but I don't, I'm not sure I was more angered with a celebrity talking about the pandemic than when Justin Timberlake came out uh, when they were isolating at home or whatever in Nashville and said, man, this 24 hour parenting thing is hard.
2: Yeah. They're incredibly out of touch. Sorry. They're incredibly out of touch people and should not, do really right like if you're a celebrity you can be asked about the thing in the area that you are a celebrity in right like i'm listen i'm i'm interested in a celebrity musician's opinion about another musician or what they think about another song i don't care what they think about climate change right like they shouldn't their opinions should not supersede the opinions of people who actually know what they're talking about and i feel like we're going down this road that look all that yeah. matters is if you're famous
0: yeah, it doesn't even. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you said it right. It doesn't even matter, except that you're famous, right? I mean, you could you could ask LeBron James what he thinks of the the home design of the year 2022, and now we will get more clicks and more views and oh boy, our sign our fell sign off just again. fell off. Ah, uh, than than an actual architect that has all the knowledge and know how. And I, I completely agree with you.
2: Was what was your number? Was that your number four? That was yes. My number four is the return of the '80s. All the style, the music, all these things, like the new trend, are all stuff that we have seen before. And I don't want to see the 80s continue to come back, and I don't want to see the 90s start to come back. Like, I want to see something new. Bring us something new.
0: Well, it's, it's one of these things, though. Everything circles back, right? I mean, this generation, for whatever we've done, for whoever, will circle back in 30 years. I don't know what the hell they're going to get in 30 years. Um, Some sweet hoodies. But, <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong with this. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm okay with it. I, I like it, actually. I like the nostalgia. I like the music. I mean, there's been a lot of, like, biographies that have come out. I think there's a couple that are still coming out about 80s musicians. Um, I'm okay with it. I mean, I, listen, I can't fit into hip huggers, and I can't grow long hair, so – I'll never have the fashion style of of the eighties, but I appreciate a lot of other things that came of it.
2: This is solid no that's a, that's a good good answer. okay, what's your number three then?
0: My number three is I want garbage t v to stop, and it's a it's a two pronged answer and, and one is there's way too many shows now, and there's way too many shows that just rush out seasons on all these different platforms because they make money right it's I get it and they make money. But as a consumer, like I can't watch, uh, you know, I just watched season four of The Crown. Now, now season five's already out. Oh wait, Outlander just finished. Now there's a new season of that. Game of Thrones is back out. Like it's just an overstimulus. And maybe I, maybe I speak um, for me, but it's like FOMO almost. It's like, well, I missed The Crown. I guess I'll circle back in a year, a year or so again. By that time, you're already two seasons out of the mix.
2: Man, I almost feel like we need more quality television programs. I don't get into that many things. I start, I, I get one to two episodes into a lot of seasons or shows and then bail out on them. Like I never finished Breaking Bad. I watched five and a half seasons of Breaking Bad and then never watched the end of it.
0: Isn't there only really like a season and a half left?
2: Yeah, I think that? there's like, let's call it six episodes. I just couldn't finish. It was too stressful for me.
0: No, oh, well, that's probably because you're a sissy it's fine I'm just i you know i it's like it's like the show's on Disney plus the Star Wars shows. There couldn't just be one right that baby Yoda show now there's andor there's spin offs of other series. It's like I guess I just would love one show like like that to keep track of, like the fact that there's eight is just overwhelming to me
2: My number three is hearing about Twitter. I'm okay with other social medias. I'm I'm tired of hearing about Twitter.
0: I think Twitter is just going through what Facebook went through a few years ago. I mean, if you think of Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg is never heard from anymore because he was like, oh, shit. I did all my capital hearings. I got my ass chewed out by the media. They turned me into a villain. Now I'm just going to become a CEO officially and run a business, which is what it is, essentially. Right? I mean, that's what they are. Elon Musk, though, I I feel, and I presume that's what you mean by Twitter. It's just, he's, he's never going to be that kind of person. He needs to feel gratitude and like people love him. Uh, I mean, how the guy ran a poll right on it on Twitter basically saying he'll step down if people vote that he should. And they did. And guess what? He's still the CEO of Twitter or whatever. So.
2: I, I find it interesting that the CEOs of most of the social media platforms are incredibly socially awkward people. They designed something for people but don't understand people. Uh what's your number two?
0: Uh so this is kind of personal, but uh I I, I just I d I don't want to to hate my own sports teams in twenty twenty three. I wanna have Detroit. a fucking
1: Yeah, Detroit sports changed.
0: teams. I wanna have one goddamn team which and listen, no one no one on my list on this probably cares about my love for Detroit sports. I get it, but I can tell you if you live in a city, whether it's internationally or in America, to where you, you literally have been the laughing stock of professional sports for at least a decade in most of them, it just gets tiresome. The Detroit Lions had a chance to make the playoffs this year. And what do they do? They go down to Carolina this past Sunday on Christmas Eve and get their asses whipped. And everyone in Detroit's just like, well, we knew that was going to happen because it's the Lions. Like, no. That should not be the way it is. Buffalo gets eight feet of snow a goddamn weekend, and they win 14 games a year. Like that. Anyways, I'm going to rant. I'm sorry. I just just want to not hate Detroit sports in 2020.
2: I don't think that that's ever going to happen. I think that there are some places in this country that are just always going to suck. Right? They are just hard luck places, and they will... Get close to the promised land once every couple of decades, but ultimately will <laughs> always suck. Right, Detroit, Cleveland, Cincinnati, Dallas. All
0: you, okay, guys. Like, all you're doing is naming off Midwest teams, but Dallas.
2: Dallas. There's just some places like the New York Jets. The secondary <laughs> teams in New York are always going to suck. This is another thing that I want to. I was hesitant to put this on my list. It is a personal thing. I'm tired of hearing about cancel culture. I just, I'm sick of hearing about it, right? Like, if you said something stupid, then you can't complain about it. You should be held accountable for it. And people should also understand that, you know what? Maybe people can have a voice. So I just think there's a perfect balance there that we can all move on and stop hearing about it
0: refraining from this cuz I, I i would go on a rant i will just say you said that well and i completely agree with you about cancel culture moving into 2023.
2: Uh what's your number 1?
0: <clears throat> so my number 1 it's kind of a bullshit number 1 but uh i just don't want to ever think about 2022 again. Once the clock strikes midnight on on January 1st, i would be completely fine other than like i said four things in 2022. Uh I don't even care if, if it's erased from, from my memory. I can just literally have it go from 2021 to 2023. And listen, I'm not saying that I had a rough 2022 because some people, they have it way worse, and I get that. But they're not on those podcasts. So in saying that, uh, I, I, would, I would be very happy just to forget about the entire year and just wake up, pretend it's 2021. And we're having this conversation. I would be fine just waking up, skipping a year. I don't even care if I I look like Brendan Fraser from The Whale, okay, in 2023. I just F this year. Let's move on. So I know it's kind of a BS number one, but that's my number one.
2: My number one is subscription services. I don't (laughs) like this trend of all these companies starting to try to charge (laughs) you for things that you're already paying for. This thing with cars is pissing me off. Where like you paid for a feature and now they're trying to charge you to essentially keep using it, right? Like, hey, you got automatic door locks. Okay, cool. Oh, but by the way, your <laughs> subscription's up and now you got to start paying for your automatic door locks. I don't like this it's, trend where companies are trying to charge you for things that you've already paid for.
0: So it's funny you say that. So I actually have – so I'm an honorable mention. I have two things and that's one of them. Uh, subscriptions, not necessarily for what you said. But just for, for, I mean, I probably have seven subscriptions to different media things. Uh, And by media, I mean like, you know, like I have F1 TV. I have Hulu. I have Apple TV. It's like, yes, I'm choosing to have that. But also for the same time, for like kind of what you said, like I don't have Sirius XM anymore. I know, first world problem, right? But either way, like I had a three-month free subscription and now it's 129 months or 29 bucks a year. For something I feel that, First off, maybe I'll pay five bucks a month for it, or I should just continue to have it. Like you know, subscription services are absolutely out of control.
2: Yeah, that's the new thing, though, right? Pay forever, don't pay for it once, pay forever. Um, what's your honorable mention?
0: So that I uh, I also have delivery services like what's wrong uh, with DoorDash. That? Uh you know, uh, uh, I just. The thing is, is and, and once again, this is a personal view. I know it creates jobs and whatever, and that's great. But by the time you're said and done, it, it's just cheaper to order it from the restaurant. Go pick it up yourself and go to and from. I mean, all the extra. And, you know, it's not even the delivery driver's faults, to be honest with you. It's it's really it's the fees associated with the company. You know, it's $8 in fees for mm. what? I mean, that makes no sense to me. I mean, but we're in a right, we're in a in a state where everything is tight and us as consumers, that's that's what we do. So I don't blame them for taking advantage of us. It's been happening forever. Uh but that's just something I would like to see disappear in twenty twenty three is uh just maybe at home delivery services. It's an yeah. interesting
2: one. I mean, I don't think I know, it, I've ever really ranted against convenience or been like, no, I want this thing to be more difficult for me.
0: It's, it's you know, it's it's like going to Lowe's, right? Like one thing the pandemic did, and now I'm ranting for 10 seconds and I'll stop, I swear. One thing the dip pandemic did do is it made us aware that, like, you don't have to go into a store, right? You can order online, show up, and somebody will put your groceries in the car. I'm not a fan of that. Like, I like the interaction of going into the store, you know, I the part the parking spaces the first ten now at like targets are for pickup orders. It's like come on, man! Like it's negative six degrees outside, and I'm going into your business. Like that should be coveted more than you know pickup orders.
2: Hmm. Well, it's convenience, right? It's turning in and turning out. And I uh, think that people who do deliveries or do pickup orders, I bet that they've got some research that like they actually spend more. So just like ah. Oh, just do this. I don't really have anything in my honorable mentions.
0: I listen, I 2022 say la vie. go fuck yourself.
2: 20 Yeah. 2022 I I could just my only the only reason that I enjoy 2022 is because I just like even numbered years better. I have an opinion. I <laughs> firmly believe that even numbered years are better and odd numbered age years are better. Right. So that like if you're thirty six, it's not as good of an age as thirty-five or thirty-seven. I feel like odd numbered age years in terms of your age are better and even numbered years are better. Like so if you were twenty twenty-three, if you were thirty six in twenty twenty three, that's gonna be a shitty year for you.
0: (laughs) Well fuck.
2: Good luck. (laughs) Okay, that's going to go ahead and do it for this episode of Profoundly Pointless. I want to thank you so much for joining us. It has been an interesting 2022, to say the least, I think. But we are really looking forward to 2023. We're trying to make the show a lot better. We really love getting feedback from you. So if there's something that you want to let us know, a comment – you can do it directly through the app if you're listening to the podcast, or're on YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, all of those kind of places. We'd love to hear from you. Let us know some things that you think should just should just stay in 2022. I hope you have a fantastic 2023. Thank you so much for listening.